Welcome to episode 14 of the Pro Wrestling Happenings Podcast. I am your host, Marcos Canales. It was quite a week in the world of professional wrestling, so let's get started with the news and rumors. Apparently, the Bella Twins retired on their reality TV show, but are already planning on making a comeback. And while I'm not super familiar with the Bella Twins, since they were popular when I wasn't watching wrestling, I do acknowledge that them retiring is a big deal because of all they contributed to the women's revolution on WWE, Um, but it also doesn't surprise me that they are planning on making a comeback, because I'm sure things have changed since they recorded that episode, namely the introduction of the uh, women's tag team championships, and since they are a natural tag team, uh, it it didn't surprise me that they would be wanting to come back and have another run uh, at those championships to add to their accolades. Um, So again, while I'm not a fan of theirs one way or the other, um, you know, I do feel like it's a big deal that they are retiring, but I wouldn't mind seeing them make a comeback either. A tag team that I'm a little bit more familiar with is the Hart Foundation, and it was announced that they are the newest inductees to the WWE Hall of Fame. And like I'd said, I'm somewhat familiar with the Hart Foundation. Obviously, I know uh, Brett the Hitman Hart and Jim the Anvil Neidhart. Um, but when I think of the Hart Foundation, I'm more familiar with uh, the stable and during the Attitude Era. So um, Hitman, Anvil, Owen, British Bulldog, Brian Pillman. Um, so those are the wrestlers that come to mind when I think of that, that name. Um, but I also know that they were a, a great tag team back in the day. Probably one of the best tag teams of all time. And so I'm happy that they're going to be inducted into the Hall of Fame as a duo. Um, I think this is Brett's second induction, um, but it's good for Jim Neidhart to get that acknowledgement, especially since sometimes when it comes to tag teams, there's that one breakout star and then the other falls to the wayside and gets lost in the shadows. Um, kind of like what I talked about when I, when I was talking about, um, Harlem Heat's induction, how Booker T, um, broke out and Stevie Ray was left behind and this is a similar situation where Brett was the man uh, from that tag team and Jim Neidhard um, didn't get as much recognition or fame or or push like Brett did. Uh, so it's good for him to get um, get the respect he deserves and get that spot in the Hall of Fame uh, as part of the Hart Foundation. I do think it's a little bit weird that Jimmy Hart's not part of the group going in. Uh, I don't know if he is already in as a manager, um, but he was synonymous with that tag team as their as their manager. And so um, it is a little bit odd, but that's just me being uh, a little bit nitpicky. Uh, in other news, it seems like Mustafa Ali is the next victim of the name shortening trend in WWE, as he is now known as just Ali. And... Usually these name changes don't bother me all that much, especially if they make sense. Um, I kind of feel like Andrade just being Andrade instead of Cien Almas, it flows a little bit better, so I wasn't super upset when that happened. Um, similarly, I think when they shortened Elias to just Elias, I don't even remember what his name was before then, it just sounds better. It rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. 
This one, though, is a little bit strange, or it just doesn't quite work for me, because when I just hear Ali, I think of Aladdin, and I'm going to think of Aladdin every time they just call him Ali, or they should lean into it somehow and make it without being sued, <laughs> you know, because I always think Prince Ali, but that's that's just me. Probably a lot of other people my age uh, will probably think that as well. Uh, so I don't think it does him any favors by just going by Ali instead of Mustafa Ali. If anything, I think it would have made more sense for him to just go by Mustafa, but I think there were other wrestlers named Mustafa in WWE, so maybe to can cut down on some of that confusion they'll just go by Ali or they should just keep it as Mustafa Ali it's a good name for him um, but they did what they did and I don't know if they'll make any changes but this name change isn't quite isn't quite as strong in my opinion elsewhere it seems like Lucha Underground has settled with those wrestlers who had uh, a lawsuit against them namely uh, King Cuerno Joey Ryan, Ivelisse, I think also uh, Cobra Moon. There might have been someone else involved, um, but they have settled, so it seems like those performers are free to look for work somewhere else, which is good for them. Uh, it's it's good when they have a little bit more freedom to get booked um, the way they need to and not be um, be controlled by this contract that maybe damaging to their career. I was a little bit a little bit confused though because they all are working. I mean, you see Joy Ryan everywhere and Cobra Moon is I think she was doing uh wow. So I don't know what their contracts look like. I'm assuming they couldn't work for bigger promotions and that's what the issue was. Um again, this is above my pay grade. Um, but it is it is nice that they are going to be able to get back to what they do and make a living off of it. It also makes me wonder about the status of Lucha Underground. I know I talked a little bit earlier on another episode about how it may not be coming back for another season. And I don't know if this is another indicator that it is done once and for all. Um, but if it does come back, it's probably going to look very different. I think uh, one of the producers who acknowledged that it may be canceled said if it does come back it'll be a completely new setup a new roster um i don't know how i'd feel about that uh while i'm very very behind on lucha underground um i liked what they brought to the table and if it's going to be very different i don't know how it had a little uh land with me but you know it's it's a crazy world <laughs> that is professional wrestling and Things change pretty quickly, and so we'll see how this goes down the down the line. But going back to the performers, I'm happy for them uh, that they'll all be able to um, to have a little bit more freedom. Um, another contract that's been in the news: apparently, WWE has offered Becky Lynch a new deal, a new multi-year deal deal that it has a pay raise attached to it. Um, I don't know if she's officially signed yet, but this is obviously really good news for Becky Lynch because she was a breakout star this past year is probably one of the hottest things going in WWE and she's going to get paid accordingly um you know I don't know if it'll be on par with some of the other big names in the company um but if she's the biggest name on the women's 
roster than she deserves to be paid as the biggest name on the women's roster. She deserves to be paid as the biggest name on any roster, to be very honest. Um, So I don't want to necessarily get into all of that, but I would hope that WWE is willing to appropriately reward her for everything she's done for them the last couple of couple of months so good for her happy for becky lynch Uh, a good sign for for all the women and all the performers in that company that if you if you put in the work and you you connect to the people then you'll be rewarded uh other wwe news it was announced that nxt takeover san jose will be happening in june and this is notable because this will be the first NXT takeover that's not attached to one of the big pay-per-views. And I think this is a good sign for NXT um, in the future. Hopefully, little by little, it'll start moving out of the shadow of the main rosters and the main shows and become its own... I mean, it's already its own standalone brand, but but become more of a player in the WWE when it comes to its recognition and them having their own event uh, that's not tied to a big pay-per-view is a good a good way for them to start going on their own um again not on their own they'll always be part of WWE but them establishing themselves even more so and honestly I'm more excited about takeovers than the actual main pay-per-views uh, they tend to be more exciting, more entertaining. Um, I care more about their roster. I care more about their superstars. I care. I just care more about NXT right now than SmackDown or Raw. And if I could just watch NXT, I'd probably be happy with that. And so them having uh, their own event in in June is it makes me happy. So I'm really ha- I'm really glad that. That that's something that's going to be going down. Uh, outside of WWE, um, there was some talk that Eli Drake and Impact may not be coming back to the company. And it doesn't surprise me if he decides to... It wouldn't surprise me if he decides to um, move on from Impact. Um, just because... Maybe it's just me, but... He doesn't look like an impact wrestler, and that's nothing. Uh, that's not a slight against Eli Drake. If anything, that's a compliment because he just has the look and the charisma of, you know, a WWE superstar. To be honest, and um, that's not to say that Impact is not a legitimate promotion, but he. Whenever I did watch Impact, he just felt like he stood out and um, didn't necessarily have the same aesthetic as the rest of the roster. Um, and so if he decides to move on from Impact onto other greener pastures, whether that be WWE or AEW or somewhere else, um, I think that would probably do, uh, do good things for his career. I, it would be a pretty big loss for Impact, um, but I think that like I've said with other wrestlers, they have to do what they have to do in order to be successful. So if he decides to move on, uh, more power to him. Um, and the last bit of news I wanted to quickly talk about. Uh, apparently on Viceland, there's going to be a new documentary series called The Dark Side of the Ring, 
which will shine a light on some of the more nefarious aspects of professional wrestling. Um, it seems like it's going to be a combination of um, true crime and, and professional wrestling, which anyone who follows the sport knows that there are definite dark sides to it. It's a, a grueling business where people put their bodies through crazy rigors and when they look of ways of coping, it's not necessarily uh, the most healthy ways to cope. And that can lead to some pretty serious stuff. And, um, you know, it's one of those things that is something obviously wrestlers don't always want to shine a light on, but it can be very compelling story uh, stories. So uh, I think they're going to focus on certain people like the Von Erics which as a, a wrestling fan in Texas, that, that name says a lot, and that story is very ingrained in the wrestling culture here. Uh, but then also the Montreal Screwjob, um, Randy Savage, so a lot of interesting subjects that they're going to cover, and I'm definitely going to want to check it out. So, um, so yeah, that wraps up the news. All right, moving on to Monday Night Raw. And while a lot of stuff happened on Raw like it does every week some of it just didn't stick i i had to go back and remind myself of what happened on raw and a lot of it just fell on deaf ears i really didn't care about uh, about what happened on this episode of raw with the exception of the beat the clock challenge and the only reason that stood out is because it made zero sense to me i had no idea why they were having a beat the clock challenge because the winner of it didn't get anything in the main event at WrestleMania. Um, you know, so I guess it just was for show or for bragging rights. Um, regardless, it it was like ten like not even ten minutes, it was like probably like seven minutes of actual of actual action. <laughs> and so um since it since it didn't have any real sway on what was gonna go down at WrestleMania it just felt like it was completely um, unnecessary. I'm glad Becky won the Beat the Clock Challenge, but since you know it wasn't about entry order or giving anyone an advantage in the match, it just it just seemed very silly to me. Um, but I guess one of the the notable aspects of it all is the fact that it was announced that they're going to be the main event at WrestleMania. So uh, if it was just a showcase for these three women before going into the biggest match of their career, then I guess I can't really fault the booking. Um, but I I just didn't see the point. And I was also upset that it was at the expense of the Riot Squad. I've been very vocal about how I like the Riot Squad and how the way they're being used on Raw is very frustrating and annoying because because they deserve so much more but that's a theme <laughs> that's quickly going to become a theme on on this podcast uh women wrestlers who deserve to be treated better and deserve more than what they're getting um but when i think of that the riot squad always comes to mind because um them being sacrificial lambs to these three admittedly higher profile performers um you know 
it just didn't sit right with me. I just wanted, I want so much more for the Riot Squad. Uh, and seeing them being thrown to Rhonda, Becky, and Charlotte for no reason at all was was kind of a bummer. Um, so yeah, the the three women main eventing WrestleMania got their their time in the spotlight, but for to what end? To what end? Um, you know. That being said, things got even more confusing <laughs> on SmackDown. So we'll go ahead and make that transition. Um, it's no secret that the that WWE really shook things up on SmackDown uh, when it comes to the main event at WrestleMania and the women's the women's division on both shows uh, after this this week's episode uh, because they decided to put Charlotte in a SmackDown Women's Championship match against Asuka. And when I first saw that, I was obviously confused. I'm like, this is a pretty bold move to do right before WrestleMania. Um, to add to the confusion, I was totally prepared to see the fatal four-way between Sonya, Mandy, Carmella, and Naomi to determine the number one contender. Um, I didn't know if that was going to happen later. Uh, I had no idea what was going on. And it seems like WWE had no idea what was going on until the very last minute based on the reports I've read. Um, but they had the match, and it was a good match. I'm not going to take anything away from from Oscar or Charlotte in terms of the actual performance in the ring. They did what they were supposed to do. They had a really strong outing. Um, it had some good spots. It had some good tension. Um, obviously, the ending is the problem, <laughs> is, and that's what I have the most issue with. Um, they decided to have Charlotte win the belt, and I was gobsmacked. I was trying to figure out what the plan <laughs> going forward is going to be, and I couldn't come up with a logical conclusion. I really couldn't, and since then, there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of talk about what this will mean for uh, the main event at WrestleMania, what it will mean for the SmackDown title, and like I said before, I don't know if anyone has a good answer. I don't even think WWE has a good answer, uh, because it's just another unnecessary layer put on top of this match, which was supposed to be very straightforward or was straightforward at the beginning. And now they've made it so confusing, so complicated, so overbooked that it's it every week this match falls lower and lower on my anticipation scale because they're just throwing everything at the wall and it feels like they don't have an idea of what they're doing they don't have a plan, and the storytelling is not good enough to make me care. And it makes me so angry because it's just bringing down my excitement for watching Becky Lynch. And maybe that makes me a bad fan, whatever. Um, but the more and more they make this match convoluted, the less I care. And throwing in the women's or the SmackDown women's title doesn't, in my opinion, doesn't bring anything to an already overstuffed match. 
um, the way I see things, everything, I can always relate everything back to food. And that explains a lot about me, I guess. But in order for you to have a good meal or a good, um, a good entree, you have a, a recipe you go by and you add seasoning to that recipe. You put in just the right amount of salt and pepper and whatever else. But when you put too much, you ruin the dish. And this is them throwing so many different spices in in the mix just to, in their mind, make it taste better. And it just ends up being a mess. It just ends up being uh, too busy. You know, if you put too much pepper in your food, you're going to just taste nothing but pepper and you're not going to be able to finish it. That's what I feel like they're doing with this match. Um, again, a match that made so much sense sense back during... Survivor Series, and now it's just this, <laughs> and um, going back to the SmackDown Women's title in particular, it feels like they're just cutting off their nose to spite their face. I don't. There's some talk that this is a way for them to give that belt a little bit more prestige. I don't know about that. I mean, I feel like if you want to give that title more importance, you know, the way you can do that is by building up a good rivalry between Charlotte and Asuka and have that same match that was on SmackDown at WrestleMania. You give it the time and the attention and the care that you've given everything else, and that makes it more important. But just adding it as another trinket to the triple threat match at least for me, it does nothing for the title. It just makes it more irrelevant. Uh, and, you know, that's a shame because it had a strong champion in Asuka who was being buried by the company. I know no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Uh, if they truly cared about Asuka, a fraction of what they care about Charlotte and Becky and Ronda this would have been a moot point. They would have had a strong match for her at WrestleMania. They would have had a storyline that made sense for her. Well, I take that back because they don't have a storyline that makes sense for anybody, any of the women at least, uh, right now. And it's it's a damn shame because she's so good. Um, so not only do they remind us that they don't care about the SmackDown women's title, they don't care about Asuka, they don't care about anyone else on that roster, they just care about Ronda, Becky, and Charlotte, um, and it it's so it's so annoying. I it's it's so hard to get past that. Um, there's been some talks. Maybe this is a way for them to unify the belts, and if they decide to do that, okay. Um, I can see that making some sense because they clearly don't know what to do with two women's rosters. Um, maybe if you put them together, it streamlines their options a little bit more so that could be okay um but then it also feels like you're you're diminishing the women's the women's rosters uh, and their talent by not knowing what to do with them to begin with um so that's that's another very frustrating aspect of this all there's also some speculation that this might be a way for them to have the four horsewomen all be triumphant at the end of WrestleMania, all have a belt, um, you know, with 
Charlotte is keeping the SmackDown title, um, Becky with the Raw title, and Sasha and Bayley with the tag team titles. Uh, and that's an image that's been floating around for a while and it's gotten a lot of people excited. But if they sacrificed Asuka's title reign for that image, that's so short-sighted and so stupid, in my opinion. And it was not worth it, you know, because, again, if you want to have that image, you don't have to do it this way. You have Asuka defend the title against Charlotte and have Charlotte win at WrestleMania. You have the exact same outcome, but through means that make sense and aren't stupid. I, I guess I just keep coming back to that word when I think of uh, the women's title picture right now in WWE. Um, because I, maybe maybe Vince just cares about iconic moments and that would be an iconic moment seeing all four of them with with championships but if they if he really wanted that there was a more sensible way to get there and it feels like that wasn't what he wanted or that's not what he was thinking about because just throwing it in at the last minute just again makes things a lot more complicated than it needs to be and people don't even know what is going to be on the line during this match. Is it just for the Raw Women's title? Is it for both? Um, there's been some speculation that it'll be whoever pins a champion gets that belt. So I think it was Wrestle Talk or someone put out all the different scenarios. So, you know, if Becky pins Ronda, she's the Raw champion. If she pins Charlotte, she's SmackDown champion. If Charlotte pins Ronda, she's both champions. If Ronda pins Charlotte, she's both champions. If someone pins Becky, no one's a champion. And again, just think about that. Think about how how complicated all of that is. And that's what they've decided to do for their main event at WrestleMania. Um again, I don't I don't know what's going on. Um some are thinking that this was a a reaction to people pushing back on Charlotte being in the match and not bringing anything to the table. Something they actually acknowledged on television, which was a good thing when it comes to actual storytelling. Um, it just makes... It, I can't help but go back and realize or point out that she shouldn't have been in this match to begin with. <laughs> And that's no slight on Charlotte. Charlotte's a, a great wrestler, probably the best women's wrestler out there today. And she deserves all of the championships and accolades and accomplishments she's had. But she didn't need to be in this match. She doesn't need to be the first in everything. Um, so the first women's main event could have been just as good with just Ronda and Becky. And I know she does add some talent and she makes it she probably does make it a better match in the long run. Um, but her presence felt more and more out of place as time went on. Because a lot of people were saying, well, you need a heel in this match. You have Becky and Ronda, they're both faces. You need a bad guy to make it more interesting. So let's put put Charlotte in there. Then you turn Ronda heel. Now you don't really need Charlotte in that heel role because you have... Face Becky versus heel Ronda, which 
sounds a lot better. <laughs> it's a lot cleaner. Uh, so now you have two heels and one face. Um, so you're putting Becky back into that underdog role, which doesn't quite feel right either. Um, and to just slam us over the head even more, you have them both be champions. So you have two heel champions versus a face challenger. And it just doesn't make Becky look like the take-no-prisoner badass that she used to be. Now she's got this big you know, mountain to climb again. And they just keep putting more and more obstacles in front of her. And yes, that that can be interesting storytelling, but it doesn't really fit her character. So yeah, man, it's just, I don't know how this happened. Um, it just, it was so simple and so exciting. And now they've, they've pretty much, WWE's pretty much ruined their main event and, has taken all of the wind out of the sails for these three women, in my opinion, at least. I'm sure there are some people out there who are super pumped about it and think this is genius storytelling, and that's fine. I respect that, but you know, the more and more stuff they 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 pile on top of all of this, it's just my my excitement level drops every time, but. I'm still going to watch and I'm still going to be excited to see what happens. I was just a lot more excited a few months ago. Um, and more overstuffed, convoluted booking. Um, New Day had to run a tag team gauntlet. Um, so it was Xavier and Big E had their own gauntlet match to get Kofi into WrestleMania. And this had this made me feel so many different emotions. Uh, I was very mixed after SmackDown went off the air because on the one hand, much like the women's main event, I don't need more obstacles thrown in their way. I felt like last week's gauntlet match was the natural conclusion for Kofi and was what was needed to have to get him into the main event, or not the main event, but into the WWE Championship match. I'd argue that even that was too much, but I I understood why the gauntlet match happened, um, and the fact that they just pulled the rug from under him and pushed back the goalposts yet again, that was the breaking point. And so having another gauntlet match to do the exact same thing just was repetitive and boring. Uh, at least the idea of it was very boring um, because it was just a carbon copy of what they did the week before to the point where they even had those cutaways where all the good guys were watching them on the screen in the back. And it just, it felt superfluous. It didn't feel like it was needed. Um, now that said, there were some good things that came out of it. Uh, for example, uh, when the Usos came out and forfeited, that was a good moment, even though it was telegraphed a mile away. <laughs> um, it was still a nice visual, and it was a nice sentiment. It, it was heartwarming in the right ways. 
the same thing when when all the superstars came out and congratulated New Day and were slamming their hands on the mat. And when Byron Saxton came out and did the same thing, that was a nice moment. It was a good visual. It made me feel nice. But at the end of the day, none of it was necessary. (laughs) None of it needed to happen because Vince was obsessed with jerking us around and prolonging the inevitable and just teasing his audience. And he just, you know, WWE is notorious for that. And, you know, that's wrestling, I guess. That's what they do. But it's just, it's a trick that I've seen too many times and it just doesn't work on me anymore. Um, So Kofi's going to WrestleMania because of another gauntlet match. And I'm happy for Kofi. That said, there is part of me that doesn't trust Vince McMahon. Part of me doesn't feel like this is over. And next week on SmackDown, Kofi's going to have to do something else. Because when Vince was asked about Kofi going to WrestleMania, he said he was going to WrestleMania. He didn't specifically say he was going to face Daniel Bryan. And there have been other people who've theorized that when he said a B-plus performer, that it could mean any of the New Day. So it wouldn't surprise me if we have a triple threat match on SmackDown between everyone in New Day to determine who is going to face Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania. I can see that happening. And it that would be... Three steps too far, because we're already two steps too far <laughs> of what needs to happen. Um, I've I've read some thoughts on online and on Twitter about how that could lead to a big E heel turn and how that could be a good thing. And I feel about that the same way I feel about Dean Ambrose turning on Roman Reigns. It It's a bad look. It's a bad move. These particular performers need to be in storylines that have happy endings. Um, And just having someone turn on someone else just for the heck of it, to add more tension, to add more drama. Again, it's adding too much pepper or salt to the, the dish. It doesn't really do anything in a positive way. It just makes things more... Blech. So if they're doing this to have... Big E turn on Kofi before after WrestleMania, that's going to leave a very bad taste in my mouth. Um, or maybe I just trust WWE and, and say they're finally going to give Kofi his shot. <laughs> but I've been, I've been messed with way too many times at this point, and I don't believe that we're done. And it's just funny when you, look, you take a step back and think about what WWE has done on the road to WrestleMania. Just look at all the individual champions. You have... Or the championship matches. You have Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. You have Ronda and Charlotte now defending against Becky Lynch. And you have Daniel Bryan possibly defending against Kofi Kingston. 
those are the matches we have outlined right now. And when you look at all of them individually, or no, I take that back. You look at them collectively. The only match that hasn't been tampered with from the very beginning was Seth Rollins versus Brock Lesnar. Seth won the Royal Rumble, chose Brock Lesnar, and that's been the story they've been telling since day one. Straightforward, simple. You can't say the same with everything else. You you could have had a straightforward and simple story with Becky and Ronda because it was the same situation. Ronda was champion. Becky won the Royal Rumble. She challenged her at WrestleMania. Then what happens? You throw in Charlotte into the mix for whatever reason. Asuka was a champion, had no story, had no challengers coming into WrestleMania. Now she's not even the champion, and her belt is thrown into the triple threat. You have Daniel Bryan and Kofi Kingston, who had to move heaven and earth just to be considered for a title match. And every time we thought he was going to get into his his match with Daniel Bryan, something else happened. So all of the title matches... That's where how we've gotten to where we're at. I I always hesitate being overly political when it comes to wrestling because it should just be fun. But if you look at all of those matches, only one involves two white guys. And that's the one that was it wasn't tampered with at all. It's hard not to notice that. It really is. Again, I don't want to rub people the wrong way, but it was very evident <laughs> as I've been watching the last couple of weeks that, that was the one match that was was left to be as it was supposed to be from the very beginning. Vince McMahon didn't get involved with any of those stories. He didn't add people or take people away. And he easily could have. You could have him say, no, you know what? We're going to throw Roman Reigns into this title match because he's back on the active roster. Or you could have, you know, all the shield involved to get, you know, somehow get Seth the spot that he already had or... Whatever, you know, you could do the same things with Seth and Brock that they did with the women's title. Or they could have put so many obstacles in front of him like they did with Kofi, but they didn't. And when you look at the two people in that match, it makes you it makes you wonder. That's all I'll say. So yeah, SmackDown and Raw, more more of the same nonsense just to make us quote-unquote more excited about uh, Wrestlemania but I've said it before I'll beat the drum again it's having the the opposite effect on me but if it's working for you cool I'm happy for you it's just it's not it's not working for me um and other WWE action NXT I'll quickly talk about the Dusty Rhodes tournament final between the Forgotten Sons and Black and Aleister Black and Ricochet 
foregone conclusion that Aleister Black and Ricochet were going to win, but it was still a pretty good match. Uh, it does make me wonder what they're going to be doing with the NXT tag titles. Um, I haven't seen War Raiders do anything with them in a long time, so that makes... And we have seen Aleister Black and Ricochet on pretty much every episode of WWE TV since they've been called up. So that makes me wonder and believe that they probably will win the NXT tag titles. I don't know if that means they'll bring them to Raw or SmackDown. Um, it feels like they're very they're spread very, very thin right now, and I've said before they're overused in my opinion, so I'm pulling for War Raiders, um, but it wouldn't surprise me if the two standout individual wrestlers from NXT who have been thrown into a tag team for no real reason except for them to be, you know, on every show possible, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they end up winning. But all in all, you know, pretty good, a pretty good conclusion to that tournament. Although I, I kind of wish Forgotten Sons were replaced by someone else, maybe Street Profits or who else, I don't know. I just, I have zero, zero care for Forgotten Sons. So I was, I was a little bit surprised they made it this far, but I digress. And I'm actually going to talk a little some about wrestling that has nothing to do with WWE, and that's uh, Impact Wrestling. Uh, I actually watched Impact this week. Uh, they're against all odds show, and my biggest takeaway from Impact uh, against all odds is that they're doing women's wrestling way better than WWE, and that if <laughs> that's including. You know this occult storyline that that they've been telling, and, and that still makes more sense than what they've been doing with uh, what they've been doing in WWE. Um, so my the highlights for me: Scarlett Bordeaux uh, fought Disco Inferno, aka Glenn Gilberti, in an intergender match. And my track record with intergender matches is pretty limited. Pretty much, it's it's relegated to just what I've seen on, say, Lucha Underground. Uh, I know that it's been a pretty big movement in the last couple of years, um, which is a good thing. I think it can be entertaining to watch intergender matches. I would say the action in this particular match wasn't stellar, um, but I blame Disco Inferno for that more than anything. Um, I think Scarlett did the best she could with what she was given, uh, and I was happy that she won the match. Um, it was, you know, pretty intriguing storytelling leading up to it with uh, Glenn being a mis- misogynistic a-hole and, you know, running down women's wrestling and saying how intergender wrestling is stupid and yada, yada, yada. Um, and Scarlett being the stand-in for women's wrestling was a was an interesting move and a, a very empowering move, uh, in my opinion. Uh, there's a, a podcast I listen to, uh, Not Your Demographic, uh, which is a feminist podcast, a feminist wrestling podcast, and they've done a great job covering Scarlett Bordeaux and her current iteration on Impact. Um, and I echo a lot of what they feel, like how she's this interesting feminist icon uh, taking on this this very male-dominated industry in her own way. And I felt like that came across in this match and came across leading up to this match and 
it was fun. You know, it wasn't the best wrestling in the world, um, but it didn't have to be. It told a, an interesting story to a, a natural conclusion, uh, and it wasn't overly complicated like other things I've been seeing. Um, uh, another highlight was Tessa Blanchard and Gail Kim's uh, showdown where Gail Kim was forced to come out and apologize to Tessa Blanchard and quit her role in Impact Wrestling. And we all saw it coming when Gail decided to let Tessa know that she, in fact, resigned as a producer or a backstage person and came out of retirement to face her. And yet again, <laughs> a natural conclusion to a pretty straightforward story. Um, and I, w- I was excited to see Gail Kim. I've, I know a little bit about her her history uh, and, and what she's done in both uh, TNA and WWE. Um, but I I can't point out any particular matches of hers because I never really saw a lot of them. But her name preceded her. I knew what she had accomplished and what she brought. Um, so seeing her come back is pretty cool. And I've said it before, Tessa Blanchard's one of the best in the game right now. And seeing them face off has me intrigued. And that's something I really do want to see. Um, and another pretty good match, or I don't know if it's a good match per se, but it was, I enjoyed it, was the Impact Knockouts title match between Taya Valkyrie and Jordan Grace. Just something about Jordan Grace is appealing to me. Um, I just like her look. I like what she brings. And I like Taya as a bad guy. Um, she's always a better heel than she is a face. So when her and Johnny turned, it made it made perfect sense in my mind and she proved why she's a good heel in this match i kind of didn't like the idea of them having a count out uh a count out loss for her but it fit her character and it fit the heel tactics that they were doing so yeah i mean it makes perfect sense that a heel would get herself counted out so she doesn't lose her title um and there was a cool moment when Brian Cage came out and it it kind of felt like they were setting up this mixed tag team match between Jordan Grace and Brian Cage against Johnny Impact and Taya Valkyrie. That's another match that I would like to see and um, got me kind of excited. I do think Killer Cross's involvement in the Impact Cage stuff does kind of convolute things just a little bit. Um, especially when it comes to this type of mixed match, mixed match tag team. I don't know if I said that right. I'm I apologize. Um, so yeah, just that brief glimpse of what could be was pretty cool. And then uh, the episode ended with the conclusion of the Undead Realm story they've been telling for a while now. Um, I've jumped in and out of the Undead Realm stuff. Um, I know what's been going on, but I haven't been watching regularly enough to be an expert, but I tried to catch up online. And, you know, I'll I'll have to be honest. I'll admit it. Uh, I like the Undead Realm stuff because it's so bad. Um, Bad from a production value standpoint. Bad from an acting standpoint. Um, It's so over the top and silly. Um... And I think that just is accentuated by how low budget it looks. And I like that. You know, it's not 
flashy. It's not glitzy and glamoury uh, like it would be on, say, WWE. But it works with this kind of this, you know, lower tier, more independent feeling promotion like Impact. It's in their wheelhouse. It, it works with their aesthetic. And I got a kick out of it. <laughs> and it was cool to see uh, Kevin Sullivan make a cameo in, in that vignette. Uh, had good music. I've been trying to track down some of those songs for like, you know, a good couple of hours last night. Couldn't find them. So if anyone knows, let me know. Um, and I was a little bit su- su- surprised at how it all ended. Spoiler alert, they killed off Allie. Uh, which, <laughs> for those who don't know, could be pretty shocking um, because they don't realize that she is moving on to AEW. Um, but they actually killed off a character, and I wasn't I wasn't expecting that. You know, it it made sense when I remembered that Allie was going to AEW, uh, and then it was a nice way for her to be sent out because she was with her best friend Rosemary. Um. So it was it was just fun. You know, it was silly fun. And like I said, it just it was again, I felt like what Impact did on on against all odds was they did women's wrestling right <laughs> compared to what they've been doing on WWE. And it was an enjoyable show. It was a little bit longer than I was expecting. Um I don't know if it was like a pay-per-view but on twitch um you know that's the one thing that always confuses me with the new the new iteration of impact i don't really know what's a special event or what's not um i know they don't have as many pay-per-views but they they supplement the lack of pay-per-views with these one night onlys and these these types of shows uh, so it was a little bit longer than I was expecting, and it was pretty late at night, so I was I was beat uh, at the end of a long week. But I enjoyed what I saw. So kudos to Impact, and um, I'll probably hopefully try to keep in keep in the loop with them a little bit more now. So yeah, uh, that's it for this episode. Um, I know I rambled a lot, and I appreciate your patience. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can at PW Happenings. Come back for future episodes, and until then, take it easy, everybody.